All right, y'all can turn around and have a seat real quick here. <clears throat> Grab my... There it is. All right, how y'all doing this morning? Y'all worn out from VBS this week? It's just me then, huh? Okay. All right. Well, time for Sermon of the Sack this morning. As always, if you've not been here for this, what basically what we're going to do is I've got something special in... Uh, <laughs> My sack is looking worse every week. It's really getting pretty sad, but uh, it'll last for today. So uh, I got something in the sack today, and if you can guess what it is, you get to take it home with you. Now you can't guess yet. I didn't give you any clues yet. I had one of the kids that guessed after the first clue a couple of weeks ago, and it just broke my heart. So I got to at least give you the first clue before I can let you guess what's in here. Okay. All right. So first clue. First clue. What's in the sack today? These were first invented in the 1960s, but they didn't become popular until the 1980s. Okay, now I know none of you were even born in either one of those two periods of time, so I'm hoping you don't know the answer. But Weston, I will let you give one guess as to what it is. Do what? You saw what was in my bag, didn't you, this morning? All right, well, you're going to be the winner this morning, but we're going to go ahead and give the rest of the clues. I didn't hide my sack very well this morning, so. All right. They involve a process. Now, I just like big words, so that's why I gave you this one. They involve a process known as chemiluminescence. Can everybody say that together? Chemiluminescence. That's a wonderful word, isn't it? Go home and use that one, you know, on Grandma Grandpa. Tell them you wanted a new word at church today, chemiluminescence, see if they know what that means. I don't know what it means. I just thought it was a big, nice word. So uh, they involve a process known as chemiluminescence. And why is this not working again today? All right. You have to break them before they work. That's a kind of an interesting thing about what's in the sack today. Uh, once they're turned on, they cannot be turned off. And I'm going to go ahead and turn these on for you this morning there, Weston. And they are actually two this morning, so you get to pick out your favorite sister to give the other one to. Let's get this thing working here this morning. <laughs> Unless you want to keep the princess one for yourself, and then there, that's all you there this morning. So we're going to talk today about what it means uh, for us to shine for Jesus. And this week, all week long, you guys have been talking about what it means uh, to be glory givers and not glory getters that's right it's been our theme all week long of vbs and we're going to kind of wrap that up a little bit today as we look at some scriptures that jesus gave us in uh, matthew chapter 5 and so thank you for coming up this morning let me go ahead and give you your uh, kids worship bulletins on the back today uh, there are some key words and they all come out of the scripture this morning that we're going to be reading so if you listen closely to the scripture or look it up in your own Bibles, you'll be able to find, here you go, Hadley, you'll be able to find uh, the words that you're looking for, and then if you find those words in the word search today, you can take that back to Miss Jeannie at the end of the service today, and she has a special prize for you at the end today. All right. All right, so everybody else, if you'll turn in your Bibles to uh, Matthew chapter Five is where we're going to be today, Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 14 through 16 today uh, as we continue in our summer in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, 
Matthew 5, 14 through 16. If you'd stand with me in honor, in honor of God's word this morning as we read these scriptures together. Jesus was teaching that day on the, on the hillside there. That's what we call this the Sermon on the Mount. And as he was teaching, he said to them, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You can be seated. Father, we pray this morning that, that you would teach us, Lord, what it means for us to shine for you. Lord, you have spoken for us these great words that we are the light of the world. And with that comes a great challenge in our lives to shine brightly for you, to display the gospel that you've given to us in word and in deed, to be faithful day by day in this task, knowing that you have not called us to anything that you've not also empowered us for. And so, Lord, as we talk about empowering our families for ministry today, would you help us to understand, Lord, what it will mean for us to shine? And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Just three short verses today that we're going to look at here in Matthew chapter 5. In verse 14 there, we see Jesus giving a word to his followers about the power of the light. He says, you are the light of the world. I want you to think about that phrase for a minute. This is probably one of those verses that if you've been in church very long, you, you've heard it before. And, and this is one of those what I call VBS verses that we, we teach through Vacation Bible School so often. And, and as you hear a verse like this, it can become easy just to kind of take that phrase and just kind of incorporate it into your thinking without really stopping to consider what it really means. You are the light of the world. The Greek word behind the word world there is the Greek word cosmos, which is where we get our English word cosmos, and it means the entire created order. And so what God is saying to us this morning, and what Jesus was saying to his followers there on that hillside in Judea, is he was saying, you are the light of God's entire creation. Stop and think about that for a moment. We look up at the night sky and we see the trillions upon trillions of stars lighting up the night sky, not to mention the moon that's reflecting the light of, of our sun, as we'll talk about more before we finish today. We, we look and we see all the, the lights that God created in the beginning, and yet he says here, you are the light of the world. Above and beyond everything else, I've called you, created you, gifted you, and sent you out as light in dark places. Now, this is a very deep spiritual reality that we're just going to scratch the surface of today. But the first thing we need to understand about the power of this light is that the light is Jesus Christ. 
Jesus himself said, I am the light of the world. You find that scripture over in John chapter 8. And then he says the same thing again in John chapter 9. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And Donald Barnhouse, a famous pastor, used to use this illustration of the sun and the moon. And he said, Jesus, the Son of God, is like the, day, the daytime sun. And we, as we are called to be the light of the world, we are often like the moon. The moon has no real light of its own. It simply reflects the light of the sun. That's something that that, uh, we need to understand is that being the light of the world for us means that we are called to reflect the light of Christ as the moon reflects the light of the sun. And so Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And, of course, he's using this analogy of light, which is all over the scriptures, uh, used to represent spiritual truth, the truth of the gospel, the truth that we are called to proclaim. This light is the gospel that we proclaim, the gospel message that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. That when he went to the cross, it, it was not just to set an example for us, It was not just to do a nice thing for us. It was to rescue us from sin and death. That he entered in to the darkness of our sinful existence as the light of the world. That he bore our sins upon himself on the cross. And that it is only through him. Now that's a controversial statement today. It is only through him that we can have salvation. That we can enjoy eternal life. That we can know the hope of glory, And it's only through him that we can be the light of the world. Just as the moon has no light inherent in itself, it simply reflects the light of the sun. So we are called to reflect the light of the Son of God. He empowers us for this task. The light is the gospel. Over in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I believe, Paul was thinking about this very passage when he wrote these words to the Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 5, he says, For what we proclaim is not ourselves. Again, we're reflecting, we're reflecting the light of Christ. What we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. So just kind of get in your mind this morning that that picture of the moon reflecting the light of the sun, and that will help us as we walk through the rest of our time together today. Secondly, this morning in verse 15, uh, we see the purpose of the light. The purpose of the light. And, and he says there, understand very clearly, you are the light of the world. Sitting on a hill cannot be hidden. But people don't take a lamp and put it under a basket. That would be ridiculous. There'd be no reason to light a lamp and put it under a basket. First of all, if you understand the nature of the lamps that were used in the first century, these oil lamps, if you were to put them under a basket, it's either one, going to catch the basket on fire, or two, it's going to go out. Because as those lamps would need oxygen in order to function, no one would put a lamp under a basket, but they would instead put it up on a stand that it might light up the entire house. So I want you to think about those baskets uh, for a moment this week in, in Bible school, the kids used uh, buckets throughout the week. They turned them over and made them into drums, and I uh, kind of wish we could have recreated that this morning. But, but I want you to think about this morning, 
why you don't take a lamp and put it under a bucket or under a basket. And you you think about the analogy that Jesus is using, and perhaps on that day he even had in his hand one of those little lamps that they would use to light up their homes, and perhaps he had a, a basket. He was making an object lesson on that day and saying, you would never take this lamp and stick it under this basket. People went, yeah, that would be silly. Why would we do that? But he's making a point here. The very thing that he says you would never do in your homes is the very thing that I think that we are so often guilty of in the American church today. We have many baskets, many buckets in which we seek to hide the light of Christ. Let me give you a few of those that are on your outline this morning. First of all, we oftentimes seek to hide the light of Christ within our sanctuaries. I think this is the number one thing that the church in America is guilty of in our day is, is we think it's enough for us to shine within the walls of our church buildings. And so we come in on Sunday morning and we, and we sing unto the Lord and we hear his word preached and we encourage one another and, and then we go out of this building and in, all, in many respects it's as if we leave the light here in this place. And we go through the week living just like everybody else lives, not mentioning the name of Christ, not sharing the gospel with others, and then we come back to this place on Sunday to get a refill. There's a great problem in that. We were never meant to keep the light inside this place. This place was only meant to encourage us in taking the light out into the darkness. We also sometimes keep the light within the bucket of our own shame. We know that, as we say so often, well, I know I'm not living as I ought to be. I know that I'm not walking with Christ as I ought to, so it would be better for me, if, rather than being a hypocrite, as we addressed last week, someone who, who professes to be a follower of Christ but doesn't live that way, rather than doing that, we think it would be better for us just to take the light of Christ and hide it within the bucket of our shame. But Jesus says, no, that's not what I've called you to. Again, I've not called you, I've not given you, I've not given you this role of reflecting the light of my gospel to a lost and dying world so that you could hide it within the bucket of your shame. What he would have us to do is deal with our shame, deal with our hypocrisy, and shine brightly for him. If there be sin in our lives that that is tarnishing or dimming the light, then deal with the sin. Don't use the sin as an excuse not to shine brightly. That's what we so often do in this Americanized Christian culture in which we live. We say, well, I don't quite measure up, so it would be better for me just to keep my mouth shut about the gospel rather than somebody hear me proclaiming the name of Christ and know that my life isn't adding up. We understand that as Christians, we're not called to be perfect we are called to be blameless there's a difference there and and understand that in the midst of this culture in which we live we don't want to be hypocrites but a hypocrite understand this very clearly being a hypocrite it doesn't mean to, to avoid hypocrisy doesn't mean that you have to be completely sinless only christ did that but avoiding hypocrisy means that you are honest about your sin, that you confess your sin to the Lord, 
and that you desire and live and strive not to walk in that sin any longer. We're not called necessarily, we don't have to be perfect before the eyes of others. We just need to be examples of the forgiveness of God and be honest about the fact that, yes, we do have trials and failures. We do have struggles. The other bucket that I thought about this week is the bucket of our own self-righteousness. Sometimes the light of Christ is diminished in us because we're, it's not that we're living in shame. We're living on the other end of the spectrum in our own self-righteousness. And any light that's going forth from us is tarnished because we're proclaiming not how shameful we are, but how great we are. As we talk with the kids this week, and we'll say once more this morning, that, that we're the ones who are the glory getters. We're proclaiming how great we are rather than how great he is. But regardless of those things, understand this morning the light of Christ was never meant to be hidden. It was never meant to be hidden within these walls. It was never meant to be hidden because of our shame. And it was certainly never meant to be hidden within our own self-righteousness. It was meant, as Jesus said, a light was never meant to be put under a basket or under a bucket. A light was always meant to be put on a stand so that it could give light to everyone who's in the house. And remember here, he said, you're the light of what? You're the light of the world. So the house, if you want to define the house here, he's not going to put limits around the house. The house does not end at the borders of Breckenridge County. The house does not end at the borders of the state of Kentucky. The house does not end at the borders of the United States of America. The house I believe he's referring to is the same world that he's already made reference to. We're called to be a light to the entire world, which is the house of God. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, one of my favorite authors, said this. He said, flight in to the invisible is a denial of the call. A community of Jesus which seeks to hide itself has ceased to follow him. And folks, we see this all throughout the history of the church. There have been many periods in which the church of Jesus Christ sought to hide itself, either within the walls of the church or in the walls of a particular community. They sought to hide or even to hide within the ungodly culture in which it existed. That's what's happening in so much of the church in America today, is the church is seeking to hide within this ungodly culture, not looking different from the culture, but trying to blend into the culture, putting on a camouflage that will allow us to hide out in the culture and just hoping that we can continue to hide out until Jesus comes back. And Jesus says, that's not what I called you to. As Bonhoeffer said, a, a community of Jesus which seeks to hide itself Cease to follow him. If we seek to live underneath the bucket, we've ceased to be the church that Christ has called out. The purpose of the light is not to be hidden under a bucket, it's to be mounted upon a base. He says that we take this light and we put it upon a stand and the people all understood that within their homes there were there were these stands that were made particularly for the hanging of these lamps so that the light would be up high where it could be seen 
where it could be on display. Just as Jesus said, you're like that city on a hill. In those days, many cities were made of limestone, and as the sun would glisten upon those cities, the city would literally shine in the daylight. And at nighttime, as the sun would go down, those very oil lamps that he's referencing here would shine forth through the windows of that home, and the cities from a distance would have an eerie glow from those lamps. But day or night, those cities would shine forth. And Christ says, that's what you're to be like, day or night. In good times and in bad, you are to shine forth for me. What are some of the stands? What are some of the bases on which he has called us to shine forth? First of all, it's got to begin within our souls, folks. This is not just an external reality. This is where the analogy of the sun and the moon kind of breaks down because there is a reality in which this light that we're called to shine forth does shine forth from within us. It's an inner transformation that takes place that begins to reveal itself outwardly. When Jesus Christ saved your soul, when you confessed your sins and repented of your sins and trusted in Christ, he planted within you his light. That's why he says, you are the light of the world. But he goes on to say there, you're not meant to be hidden, you're meant to shine forth, but always remember that that light is not just external to you. But that light has been implanted within you. The second place that we shine forth, the second basis on which we shine forth this morning is within our own families. We've talked a lot about this over the last month, and I want to emphasize it again, parents. Fathers, let me speak to you just for a moment this morning. I know you got a hard one a couple of weeks ago, but I want to say again this morning. As dads, we are called by God to be the primary disciplers of our children. It will never be enough for you to drop your son or daughter off at our children's ministry or at our youth ministry in hopes that they'll be able to do enough to raise your kids to love Jesus. It's not going to happen in a couple of hours a week that you're going to get your kids to church. And it was never meant to be that way. Now, this children's ministry, this youth ministry is called to partner with you in that task, but the role belongs primarily to fathers. And then their helpmate in that task is mothers. And mothers and fathers seeing the primary opportunity for them to shine forth the light of Christ is within their own homes, with their own kids. And, and dads and moms, let me say this to us this morning. If we were to take the light of Christ to everyone else in our existence but miss out on proclaiming that that's very light into the lives of our children, then I would say this morning we've lost it all. We could go out into our workplaces and into our communities and we can do all these great things for Christ and we can continue to seek to honor the Lord in every other sphere of our life. But if we miss it at home, the Bible says that we've missed the greatest opportunity that we had. It was right in front of you all this time, and there's so many, even pastors today, so many children of pastors that have grown up in homes where, with a dad who faithfully preached the gospel in buildings like this week after week, but he forgot to proclaim it in his own home. And we see kids of pastors today who walk away from the church. They've grown to hate the church because dad loved the church more than he loved them, because dad invested the gospel more in the folks in church than he ever did in them and they feel slighted and neglected because of it we got to begin with our sons and daughters folks and teach them how to shine for christ 
But then it moves on from there into every sphere of influence. We talked about this a few weeks ago. These spheres of influence that we have in our lives. Wherever you find yourself, you are only there because of the will of God. Let me say that real carefully again because here's a, here's a different thinking about life than many of us have because a lot of times we live in this place of constant regret. Well, maybe I should be here. Maybe I should have done this with my life. Blah, blah, blah. Maybe I should have had this job or I should have taken up this hobby. And we have all these things that we think maybe we should have done. Perhaps we need to begin to consider perhaps you are where you are. Perhaps, sir, you're in that job that you hate because God needed a light in the dark place. Perhaps, ma'am, you're in that group that you have grown to wish that you weren't in of friends because God needed a light in a dark place. And if we would begin to see our lives in such a way that we understand that you are where you are, son or daughter of God, because the Father has placed you there. And you're called in that place, wherever you might find yourself, you're called in that place of work, in that place of business, in that hobby, where even at the ball field on Saturday afternoon, you're called in that place to consistently be a light. It's not as if you get to go into those places and flip off the light. That's not what God has called us to. And then you leave that place and you can flip the light back on because you know, well, maybe the light's not popular in that place. Maybe the gospel won't be received in that place. Wherever we go, whatever we do, we do it as unto the Lord. And so we can go and be a light in dark places. And the darker the place, the more the light's needed. Isn't that true? And that should be the truth for us, that God's us in every sphere of influence, in every place that you find yourself in these days, understanding that in that place, in that moment, for that time, you're called to be the light in that world and to shine brightly for the Lord, even as Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 4, 6. He said, for the same God who said, let light shine out of the darkness. When did that happen? Genesis chapter 1, in the very beginning. The Lord said, let there be light. And there was light. And he, from the very beginning, separated the light from the darkness. There was a differentiation from the very beginning between light and darkness, which was a physical reality that was a demonstration of a great spiritual truth. There has always been a distinct separation between light and darkness. And this is what the Lord, and what he goes on to say, he says, for the Lord, same God who said, let light shine out of darkness, he has shown in our hearts for what purpose? In order to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This is what we're called to proclaim. We're called to be, as the kids learned this week, glory givers and not glory getters. Let's talk about that for a moment. First of all, he's speaking here in this verse about, in verse 16, about the praise for the light. Here's the motivation behind all that we say and do as the children of God. It is for us, as the kids learned this week, to be glory givers and not glory getters. Now, there have been several who, who look at the Sermon on the Mount and they begin to see what they think are contradictions in some of the things that Jesus said here. Let me show you a couple of verses. First of all, look, look at verse 16 there. We just, we just read it just a moment ago. In verse 16, Jesus said, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now put your finger on that verse and then look over with me in chapter 6, verse 2. It's probably on the same page 
in your Bible there, chapter 6, verse 2. We looked at this verse last week. Jesus says, Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now look at those two verses side by side, and some have said, well, is Jesus talking about out of two sides of his mouth here? In the one verse, he says, let your light shine before others, and in just a few verses later, he says, do it in secret, go into your secret place. So how do we reconcile these two things? And the the secret of reconciling these two things is understanding the fullness of the Sermon on the Mount, which is, Jesus was teaching about our hearts. Jesus was teaching about a heart motive that guides the people of God in being the light of the world. To be a glory giver and not a glory getter. The first verse that we looked at is talking about one who is a glory giver. One who is letting their light shine for what purpose? So that others would see their good works and praise not them, but their Father who is in heaven. That's a heart check. That's a motivation check for us to ask, why is it that I do the things that I do? Why would I go out and serve others in Christ's name? Why would I go out and proclaim the gospel? Is it so that others would look at me and say, wow, what a great guy he is? Or is it so that others would look at me and see through me to see the God who is standing behind me, to see that I'm merely a reflection of the true light, and they give praise to whom praise is due? And then in verse chapter 6, we see that these Pharisees, these hypocrites that Jesus was referring to, they were glory getters. They were the ones who were seeking praise for themselves. These verses are not contradictory with one another. They, in fact, complement one another perfectly. If you understand that the most important thing Jesus is speaking about in both these verses is examine your heart, check your motive. The child of God will always seek to bring glory to the Father when his heart's in the right place. Finally, two things as we finish up this morning. First of all, I just want to give an encouragement to us this morning. Moms and dads, grandmothers, grandfathers, think about your family this morning. And the call of God this morning when he says, you are the light of the world. And that light, much like the glow stick that we gave out this morning, that light does not have an off switch. It's meant to be on 24 hours a day, seven days a week, which sounds like a very tiring thing until you are reminded that the supply of your light is never ending. That he is the ultimate eternal flame that will never go out and that you were never called to do something in your own power in the first place. Remember, he is your empower. As you look to Christ, just like the moon reflects the light of the sun, you are merely reflecting his light to the world. Everything that he has called you to be and to do, he has already empowered you for. And this empowering is for this purpose, to empower your family to shine by reflecting the light of Christ to a world lost in darkness. So let me just spend just a moment on that thought and say this. The first thing we need to understand, folks, this morning is that we are living in a world that's lost in darkness. It is so easy for us 
sometimes to forget that. Because we can look at the world and we can get in this place where we begin to think, well, this place isn't so bad. Maybe it's not quite as dark as, as, as maybe, we're, maybe I'm just, maybe, maybe it's a whole lot better than, than people are letting, uh, letting on at church these days. Or perhaps we look uh, at our particular circumstances and say, well, life's been pretty good for me this week. I didn't break my tractor in half. And we can begin to feel pretty good about things. And I'm not, enc- I'm not encouraging you, to, hear me clearly, I'm not encouraging you to live a down-in-the-dumps life where everything is negative and you're just a constant pessimist. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we need to take off the blinders and see our world for what it really is. Because the Bible says the God of this age, a reference to Satan himself, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they're unable to see the glorious gospel. But once the blinders have been removed, then you're able to see that this world is lost in darkness. And that's why we're called to be light in a dark world. And unless we remind ourselves continually that that's the state in which we live, that until Christ returns and takes us home to be with him in glory, in a place of unapproachable light where he will shine as the light, no longer a need for the sun and the moon and the stars anymore, for he will be the light, until we begin to remind ourselves of that, it's so easy for us to fall back into this place where we think, well, maybe, maybe my light's not really needed. But it truly is. And in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7, I'll leave you with this verse today. Paul said, and we have this treasure, the treasure of the gospel, the treasure of Christ himself. We have this treasure in jars of clay. It's a reference to our frail human bodies in order to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. I don't know where you find yourself today. Maybe you're discouraged and you're shining in these days. If I were to be really honest with you this morning, that's where I've been for about the last month. And we get in this place where we just get discouraged. It doesn't have to be any particular circumstances. And I can't point any particular things. We just get in these places where we can find ourselves just discouraged in the shining. And the Lord would say to us this morning, understand that even in the frailness of your jar of clay, your clay vessel, even in the, in the frailness of that, understand that you were never called to do something in your own power, that you were called to be as the moon a reflection of the light of the glorious sun, and that you can shine brightly even in the darkest of times. And the darker the times, the greater the need for the light. And maybe you're in a time right now where you do, you are experiencing the glory of Christ shining through you in your workplace, in your family. Maybe for the first time you're taking up and, and that very lamp and hanging it high upon the stand of your life. In every sphere of influence, you're just seeing God being able to use you in that place. Would you give praise to God for that this morning and allow him to continue to use you in that way? Wherever you find yourself, understand if you have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, if you turn from your sin and trusted him by faith, then he says to you, this is not an optional statement, folks. You are the light of the world. Not you might be or on certain days of the week you get to flip on this thing or or turn it off. He says, you are the light of the world. The only question is, are you hiding the light under a bucket? 
Or are you hanging it high? That a lost and dying world could see the light of God and the glory of Christ. With this thought this morning, I want to I leave you today with what I think is a really powerful video that I think will help to take what God has spoken to us through His Word today and drive it home into our hearts. So if you just check this video out this morning and allow this to be a time of worship. So many times we come uh, to something like this, a video, and we kind of see this almost like, uh, well, it's just like an entertainment portion. That's not really what we're after this morning. I want you to take in the truths that are spoken through this video this morning. So much scripture is spoken through this. And allow God to ignite within you, maybe for the first time or maybe afresh and anew this morning, the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. And know that you were called, that you are called to take that light out into the world in which you live. At just the right moment in the fullness of time into a world of darkness came a light that would shine an infant hope in a desperate hour clothed in secrecy void of power hunted by a king sought by the wise heaven rejoiced darkness despised tempted tested human divine yet through it all the light would still shine Growing in stature full of truth and grace, the light appears in the most unlikely place. Rejected by others, they felt the embrace. Dinner with a sinner, a rendezvous at night, in the midst of a storm with a boat full of fright. A man up a tree, a child on a knee, a captive set free. Broken and battered, wounded and shattered, fractured and tattered, their lives really did matter. Yes, through it all, the light would still shine. Threatened by change, exposed by acceptance, darkness attacks with lies and deception. Blasphemer, glutton, sinner, liar. As the enemy stoops lower, love stands higher, higher and deeper, longer and wider. Healer, friend, teacher, provider. Yes, through it all, the light would still shine. Religion unmasked, hypocrites taken to task. Answers pondered, questions asked. Which is the greatest? Who is my neighbor? How should we pray? Who does God favor? Stories with truth, uncommon, uncouth. Forgive and let go, not a tooth for a tooth. Blessed are the meek, turn the other cheek. Find when you seek, forget not the weak. Yeast and trees, seeds and wheat. Pearls and coins, hands and feet. Law fulfilled, love complete. Yes, through it all, the light would still shine.
when storm clouds gather. Blacker than black. Thirty pieces of silver. A stab in the back. Betrayed, denied, condemned to die. A crowd's lie, a mother's cry, a son's why. Then one last breath and the father sighs. The light grows dim and begins to subside. On a lonely hill, scoffers jeer. Darkness dances and evil cheers. The earth grows quiet. Hope disappears. Will the light shine again, or is this the end? Then out of the vastness of eternal dark rose the faintest of hopes, the tiniest spark. And midst the silence, a voice can be heard. In the beginning was God, and God was the Word. In Him was life, and that life was the light. And to all who received it, it gave them the right, the right to be children of the day, not the night. Darkness trembles at the sound of that phrase. First one day, then two days, then finally three days. Life begins to grow, evil begins to know. A stone begins to roll, and light begins to explode in a resurrection glow. Angels descend, every knee bends, a savior appears. The followers hear words of life, not dread. Why seek the living among the dead? At just the right moment, in the fullness of time, into a world of darkness came a light that still shines. In response this morning, could we stand and sing this final hymn together? I invite you as we share this hymn together to respond to God's word today. Maybe the light has been dim for you this last little bit. There may be a place of repentance that's needed there, a turning back to God, a re-entrusting yourself to Him. Maybe for the first time you're hearing these things and saying, I'm the one who's been walking in darkness. And I need the light of Christ. If you'd respond to the gospel this morning knowing that he is the one and only Savior who calls sinners to himself, he invites us to come and receive what he has purchased for us at the cross. That'd be this, you this morning. We invite you to come and respond as we share this hymn together.